Welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandlin. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat all things weddings. We speak about the pressures of getting married in your mid-20s, some of the recent weddings we've been to, as well as what our ideal weddings look like, and unpack the significance behind the traditions, events, and ceremonies found in South Asian weddings. Yeah, we had so much fun recording this one, and I think it's going to be super relatable for so many of us. So let us know your thoughts after listening. Robbie. Yes. <laughs> how are you feeling this morning? Well, funnily enough, we're recording an episode on weddings and I went to a wedding yesterday and the reception last night. So I'm a little crusty today. So forgive <laughs> how, me, listeners. <laughs> how big did you go? Not too big, but it was enough to let loose, which yeah. is really nice because of COVID the past yeah. two years. I realized I hadn't gone to a single wedding since 2019. Yeah. And this I mean, is the even first one. like parties and stuff, right? Yeah. So after so long, it had been so good to yeah, it was it so too. good because we were dancing for like hours and it had been so long since yeah. I'd been on a dance Oh, it's good floor. to hear. So it was heaps of good fun. Good to hear that you had a good time. <laughs> Definitely. So guys, like we said, we'll be talking about weddings in this episode. Um, we want to cover marriage in a separate episode because that's like a whole big topic in itself where we can unpack like multiple subtopics. But for this one, we're going to be talking about weddings and the lead up to weddings as well. Yeah, I mean, even exploring things like what the concept of marriage means in mm. different South Asian cultures um, and gender roles in marriage yeah. and like interfaith and intercultural and same-sex marriages yeah. and like arranged marriages and different experiences, yeah, both true. positive and negative stuff. I think there's so much to unpack. Oh my gosh. So yeah. we definitely have a lot of material to dive into in future episodes, but yeah. we'll dedicate this one just to weddings. And yeah. even still, I feel like we're going to run out of time with we all will. there is to talk there's about. There's so much to cover about weddings. So maybe we need to do a part two and three and four in the future. Mm. But I feel like, Sen, then you and I are getting to this age where every second person is getting engaged now. And therefore, there are a lot of weddings happening. There's been this wave recently and a lot of people I know have been saying the same thing. Like they've been to like six or seven weddings in the past two months, which is just insane. Do you feel like a bit of pressure to enter that stage in your life? Yeah, I mean, I guess the backlog of all the weddings that couldn't happen because of the pandemic Mm. are all like happening now. Um, I don't feel that pressure internally. But those conversations are definitely happening with like aunties and uncles and like even my parents, like suddenly. Are they trying to matchmake you? That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, oh but yeah, definitely happening more now, especially with people, like you said, our age getting yeah. engaged and married. But I'm not too bothered by it. Like mm. things will happen when they happen. And yeah. There's no time. Like recently an auntie was like, oh, like saying then you're 27, you know, you know, 30 <laughs> is a good age to get married. Like if you find She's someone now, setting your timeline you can for get you. to know them well. <laughs> and then by the time you're 30, you can tie the knot and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, auntie, any time is a good time to get married. As long as you're an adult and as long as you're happy and you're not forced into anything, yeah. any time is a good time to get married. Definitely. She was like... Yeah, 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 but we'll see, we'll see. That is a good age. That is a good age. Like, <laughs> you tried. Yeah, yeah I tried. Yeah, <laughs> people are always going to talk, but it's not really affecting me just yet. Mm, okay, that's good. On the flip side, I guess for you, you're mm. in a very different place in mm. terms of your romantic life. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing that kind of chatter? 
I'm hearing chatter. Like, thankfully, both my partner and I's parents haven't put any pressure on us to, to have a wedding or get married anytime mm. soon. But, you know, friends will jokingly be like, oh, so when's the wedding? Uh, but I know they just mean well and, and they just You guys have been together for to 11 years. Like, surely <laughs> you expect it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just natural, right? Like, the next step now, people are like, oh, when are you getting engaged and married? But I think for me, mm. I haven't let it affect me as well. Or just, like, internally feeling that pressure just because yeah, other good. people are having weddings that I should be as well. Because, like you said, like, everything happens on different timelines for different people as well. Um, funny story. My mum's friend in Canada was like, oh, you should tell me, is your daughter getting married anytime soon? Because I need a reason to come to Sydney. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like, so it's like there's definitely yeah. chatter. But I'd be lying if I said... I haven't thought about my wedding. Of course. I can guarantee you that you got multiple Pinterest boards going. <laughs> Look, I have one Pinterest from board. From like years ago. No. Already planning. You're half right. It wasn't from years ago, but last year I did start a little Pinterest board um, because I love like planning events in general. Mm. So I was like, oh, you know, drawing little inspirations here and there. Um, and when I do attend weddings, I'm kind of like, oh, what do I like about mm. this wedding that I can take away? I like that game. You recently went to a, a really nice wedding. Mm. One of your very close family friends. I'll say she's like a sister to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I remember you sending me photos and videos from that wedding. And even then I was like taking parts of like, oh, what would I do? Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> I think we should put that up. Maybe we'll put up that video on Instagram. Yes, it was such, it was such a, a beautiful beautifully wedding. decorated. Um, yeah. They had it at their home. It's so beautifully decorated. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a Pinterest board or anything. <laughs> I just know that you would have one so methodically organized that, yeah, it'd be neck level. Um, before that wedding, though, I did go to a Christian wedding probably about a month ago. Yeah. And as someone who goes to more Hindu weddings than any other culture, yeah. what, like, really stood out was the size of the guest list. Yeah. Um, how quickly the ceremony actually goes for yeah and the decorations right mm. compared to a hindu wedding i yeah. feel like it'd be so much easier to set up yeah it would particularly if it's happening at a church mm. right like churches are quite beautiful in itself so you don't have to do a lot to like adorn that space whereas when it's a hindu wedding it's usually at a hall or something so you have to deck out the entire place yeah. but even still i feel like with a hindu wedding there's so much more going on yeah than yeah. the decorations lots of, the of elements of a eh? Christian wedding. yeah definitely i mean i went to a catholic wedding yesterday today um and I actually love how short and sweet they are mm. like it probably went for about an hour and a half but it's just like so quiet and everyone's just listening to what's happening I don't know the the priest um the father I should say he was asking the bride and groom like what they thought when they first saw each other mm. and what their first impressions were and how the bride reacted when the groom proposed yeah. and stuff like that. It was just so personal. And yeah, everyone was just paying attention and listening. Whereas sometimes I feel like in Hindu weddings, everyone's kind of yeah. chatting to each other. I think, I mean, I think it makes sense on. for, especially in our generation, right? Because yeah. we'll get to this in a little bit, but with what goes on in a Hindu wedding, because most of it is in Sanskrit, yeah, and we don't always know what is exactly. actually happening on stage yeah. when the priest is doing certain things or the bride and groom get up and leave and come back or are walking around yeah. and there's other people coming on stage from the family doing certain things. Um, to your point, it just makes it so much more accessible when it's in English yeah. and it is simplified True. in that way. Yeah. Um, so hopefully what we'll do later in this episode is explain a simplified version of what a Hindu wedding looks like. Yeah. And that can be like a cheat sheet for mm -hmm. next time you do go to a Hindu wedding, 
hopefully it does make a little bit more sense in terms of the rituals that yeah, are happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, but going back to the guest list thing quickly, mm. may I touch on this? Because I feel like this is such a headache for so many people, particularly with South Asian weddings. Mm. Like having to cut people out and having to like invite, you know, your uncle's neighbours, dogs, you know, dad <laughs> to the wedding. Uncle's neighbours, <laughs> dog's dad. I don't that know. That is another dog. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I mean, right? Um, and the pressure of like, who do you cut? And it's like, oh, it's not nice. You know, we know these people and it's like, are you inviting them for you or your parents? Mm. It's just like so much tension. Like a lot of people I know who are getting married this year are so stressed about the guest list. Yeah, I think to that, the funny thing is when you speak to Anglo people and they're like, oh, like I've got a relatively big wedding. I've got about, you know, 80, 90 people coming. Yeah. And you're like, brother. <laughs> I went to a wedding a couple of years ago. There was literally a thousand people there. Oh my and goodness. it's like no one blinked an eye about how big the crowd was. Because I think yeah, like, it's, 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 yeah. cause like back in the day, a wedding would be a village event, it's, right? Yeah, so yeah. you would invite everyone. You invite everyone. Whereas now, like people just think about weddings in yeah. a different way. Yeah. So it's of course sometimes hard when your parents want to invite people that you've never met before, but they yeah. played some role in their life or yeah. there's some connection there. Exactly. Um, whenever there's a wedding, my mum, brother and I play this like game where we list out who we would invite to our <laughs> weddings if we yeah. were to get married. Yeah. Um, and we get to like, I think last time we did it, we got to like 150, 160, just of like family and family friends oh on goodness. our side, without including <gasps> friends. And that doesn't include obviously your future potential wife's exactly, side too. Right? And, uh, you know, I'm so blessed to be able to count that many people who I would invite to my wedding because mm. they played a role in my life. Mm. But I think I'm going to have a rule of like, if I don't know you, you're not coming. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Sorry, my mum's friend from Canada. <laughs> I don't know you. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, uh, not sorry. And then, yeah, I guess the most recent wedding that I've been to was the one that you mentioned, which mm. I think I was talking about in the season two kickoff kick episode because yeah. over the summer we did spend a bit of time helping to organize that. Mm. Um, so it's there's a group of us who have grown up like cousins, but not all biologically yeah, every so, brown person has that yeah. group. <laughs> there yeah. was a girl in that group who, like you mentioned, has grown up like a sister and she was the one who was getting married. Mm-hmm. So whenever like my family and her family are at someone else's wedding, mm-hmm. I always overhear a conversation between her parents and my parents about how, you know, a lot of the rituals and some of the practices that happen in a Hindu wedding, people in our day and age don't appreciate and they yeah. don't serve the same role that it did yep. back in the day. Yeah. So ideally what they would want for their kids is like a really stripped back wedding. Yeah. And they were able to execute on that. I think they used COVID as an excuse to keep the guest list like really <laughs> intimate. Yeah. So they like not have to have this like really extravagant wedding. Yeah. They had it at their home. Yeah. Um, and it was less than a hundred people. It was all mm. done and dusted in an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the typical rituals and traditions they took out, there was no priest. So, yeah, it was like a really like homely event. The thing that really sucked, though, is that my brother tested positive the week of the wedding. And because my parents and my grandma are household contacts, oh. I was the only one from my family who could attend. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, she's like a sister to my brother and I. She's like a daughter to my parents. Yeah. So for them to have missed that is so heartbreaking, yeah. um, especially because like with all of us, I don't think the wedding itself or the wedding day itself is the fun part yeah i think what the real fun is is the lead up to it with like the late nights organizing stuff decorating uh you know the uncles getting into arguments about (laughs) what's best way to position things and uh the maccas runs and like all the fun that comes with that um with like the like the real core of the family and the friends just like 
yeah, I think I think that's a real beauty for me at least with yeah. the wedding, not the wedding itself. Yeah. Um, so for them to miss out on all of that really sucked. But yeah. I mean, they're definitely not the only ones in that situation, unfortunately. Definitely. So it is what it is. We made the best of it. We live streamed the wedding. So mm. I think we just made the most of the situation. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think that whole like build up to the wedding where from when they start planning, you're involved as like a close friend or a family of the bride or groom. Um, and then like a day's before the wedding, you're like setting up yeah. and like decorating, like you said, all of that's so much fun. I remember a couple of years ago, I was involved doing like a performance for mm. a friend's wedding and like a group of us did a dance and we met up for like weeks to practice. And it was so much fun because it like gave you something to look forward to after yeah. work. We would all meet up somewhere random and practice in like our friend's garage or yeah. whatever, but it was so much fun. So I completely agree that that setup part is really fun. I have another wedding later this year where my sister and I are going to choreograph a little dance. Yeah, as that's well, awesome. So I feel like excited. that's totally up your alley, right? Yeah, so Choreo much fun. That's so the dream. Fun. <laughs> um, the thing that you danced for was that a sangeet? Yeah, it was like a sangeet. Yeah, yeah. There's all these pre-wedding events. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had the conversation mm-hmm. where people are like, oh, like you guys have like so many events. It goes for like weeks, right? Or it goes for a few days, right? Yeah. Like, what's that all about? Yeah, no, that's definitely happened. Like even myself. I've always wondered why we have so many events and what the significance behind each of those events are. Mm. And in all honesty, like I love attending them. Um, they're so much fun. I'm sure it's not very fun for the people organizing because it's so much work. But I never actually put much thought into the purpose behind the events, literally until I started doing research for this episode. Mm. I don't know why I never thought to like ask someone or just Google it myself before. Yeah, I think sometimes... With like all the South Asian ceremonies and festivals, I think if you look at it from an outsider's lens, mm. I think it's you can like sort of assume that everything's all the same. Yeah. But when you drill into it, there's so much variation yeah. based on, you know, religion or culture or yeah. language or like region yeah. as well. Um, there's so much diversity and there's so much to unpack that we're just not going to get to in this episode. Oh, definitely not. So I think what we'll try to do is just focus on Hindu weddings mm-hmm. for this episode. But, you know, there's Muslim weddings, Sikh weddings, Buddhist weddings, Jain weddings, Malayali weddings. There's so much, like Bengali weddings, yeah. right? That we want to cover in future episodes. Um, and I think for us, like when... I don't know about you, but when I've been sitting at a Hindu wedding, yeah, like I said before, like I can see the priest doing certain things. I can see different people coming on and off the stage, yeah. But I don't know what or yeah, why, why they're doing it, exactly. right? Exactly. But now this cheat sheet will hopefully help answer some of these questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even within Hindu weddings. There's different variations depending on mm. where you're from mm. in South Asia, right? Yeah, so that's a good point. even this cheat sheet might not be relevant to every single Hindu person. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just impossible to cover it all in the one episode. Yeah. So there would obviously be some nuance to what we're going to be talking about today as well. Yeah, that's a really good point because, yeah, like you said, just within Hindu weddings, you're going to have people picking and choosing based yeah. on what they connect with as yeah. well as what their background yeah, and ancestry. Yeah, and what's been passed and on, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is just like a more common or general explanation. But, yeah, you're always going to have some variations. Yeah. So just like the Sangeet, there's like a few like pre-wedding events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? so 
Well, this first one I haven't been to myself, but I know it takes place, which is the Haldi ceremony. Um, and that's where turmeric paste is applied usually to like the hands, feet and face of the bride and groom. And it's a bit like a cleansing ceremony prior mm. to the wedding itself. Traditionally, though, I didn't know this. Traditionally, it would happen on the day of the wedding, like in the morning. Like people would wake up early morning and do it. But nowadays, I see people doing it as like a separate day event in itself. Yeah, definitely. And with yellow being an auspicious color mm, um, and, you know, turmeric having heaps of health benefits yeah. that, you know, with the Ayurvedic understanding of all these spices and things that we're starting to recognize now mm. in the Western world as superfoods and things like that, it like gives your skin a nice glow yeah. kind of leading up to the wedding. Yeah, as well. exactly. Exactly. Um, Another event this I have been to is the Mahendi night where henna is applied. Mm. Um, And this is usually like just for the bride's side that do this. And again, doing research for this episode, it was so interesting to understand why people actually do henna ceremonies or the Mahendis. Um, And it's because like henna has a cooling mechanism, right? And we've even spoken about this in previous episodes. Um, So it's basically aimed to help relax the bride Mm. before the wedding because usually the henna or the mehendi ceremony happens the night before the wedding or like a couple of days before. And because of the cooling mechanism, it actually relaxes the nerve endings. So it actually is meant to relax the bride before her wedding. That's crazy, hey. (laughs) My mind was blown. (laughs) Discovered that way back when. To yeah, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. Um, I think originally it wasn't as decorative as what we know it as today. Mm. Um, but then you know, as the culture changes and adapts, that's something that was kind of picked yeah. up along the way. Yeah. But it's insane, hey, that like people without the science or technology that we have today yeah. recognize that by doing this is going to cool and relax your body before a stressful event. Exactly. I mean, the art is beautiful though. So for me, I always just took that sort of surface yeah. level of like, oh, it's just adorning like the hands and feet of the bride because it looks beautiful, yeah, but you're so right. Combination of art and science. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, the other event that you'd mentioned before is the Sangeet. I've also been to some Sangeets before. I think it's less of a South Indian thing, Sangeets. I feel like it's more of like maybe mid to North Indian states mm-hmm. um, do Sangeets, but there's so much fun. Like I feel like they're a bit, like a mini reception, but like before the wedding, mm. because there's a lot of singing and dancing involved. Because um, the word Sangeet actually translates to sung together. It's a Sanskrit word. Mm. So that's literally what happens. Like the, the bride side and the groom side, they'll come together sometimes or they'll do separate Sangeets um, and just party it up before the wedding. Yeah. There's also like choreographed dances. And yes. Like that as well. I went to a Sangeet a couple of years ago and the aunties and uncles got up and did a performance together, like yeah, a choreographed that's performance. Cute. It was amazing. It yeah. was so much fun. Again, I think this is another thing that originally it was meant to be a lot simpler than what mm. we know it as today. Yeah. So now it's a bit more, there's a bit more glitz and glamour yeah. It's a bit bigger and more loud. Yeah. I think back in the day, it's meant to be like quite simple and yeah. laid back. Um, the other thing that I think makes a Sangeet really special is that it's a really good opportunity for the two families of both the bride and groom mm. to mingle mm. and kind of have like a night to let loose and get to know each other in less formal yeah. setting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think something that you hear a lot about with South Asian weddings is like, it's not a marriage between two people. Mm. It's a marriage between two families. Yes. So I think it's events like this that kind of bring out a different side to you that you might not normally see. Yeah. I mean, 
in theory, that concept is beautiful and I hope that it works out well for most people, but I feel like a lot of people get very stressed about the whole like two families coming together thing because there's so many more people to please now. It's Mm. not just about the bride and groom and what they want to do for their wedding. It's about like what do the groom's parents want to do and their grandparents and then the bride's side. So it's like so much to factor in when you're putting all of that together, right? Like even with the guest list, for example, or the way that you do certain ceremonies, even if you're from slightly different parts of South Asia. Like it could be completely different. And it's like, okay, how do you fuse this together now? You know what they need is a reality TV show following around South Asian <gasps> families organizing a wedding. Yes. As if that doesn't exist I yet. I know, surely it does. Because there's that um, that Bridezilla. Western one. Bridezilla and then say yes to the dress or something like that. It could I be like say yes know. to the lehenga. And they should start at Indian. Like in between media. Make it <laughs> Well, your wedding can be the first one. <laughs> you might be waiting a while for that. Um, with the pre-wedding events that we just spoke about, mm-hmm. which of those would you want to have for your future oh. wedding? I don't know. I feel like I'd probably do a Mahendi night um, and I'd probably combine it with the bridal shower mm. and do it like before the wedding. So that's probably the only one that I would have. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like you would want what a Sangeet is. Yeah. But not necessarily have a Sangeet event. Yeah, I wouldn't have a separate Sangeet, but that type of like dancing and stuff could happen. At shifted the it to the reception. Yeah, shifted to the reception or yeah. like combine it into the Mahendi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see um, that. So the other thing, obviously, the main event, the wedding itself, like you were saying before, I'm on the same boat. I go to these Hindu weddings and I just sit there the priest is saying something in Sanskrit no one understands Uh, and I'm just staring but I have no idea what's going on Mm. so I think it would be really useful to have a bit of a breakdown of potentially what can happen at a Hindu wedding. That's what I'm here for Romy. Let's go. That's what I'm here for but I think the thing to call out is that there's actually so much depth and so much that goes on Mm. that if I was to explain it even with my limited knowledge Mm. we might be here for a while. (laughs) So I'm going to simplify this a bit and skip a few of the, I guess, subtle or the smaller Mm -hmm. parts and just hit on like the main things that's going on. Yeah. And also we should add that, again, like we said before, these are still not like a template for every single Hindu wedding you'll go to. Like there'll still be nuances depending on what part of India. Um, But yeah, take it away, my friend. Yeah, I think that's a beauty of our culture, right? There's so much like... There's no one way. There's so much variations Mm. and it's up to your interpretation of it as well. So it's great. Okay. So let's start with when the groom arrives. Yeah. So yeah, I think traditionally the wedding would happen at the bride's house. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, we'd have it like at the temple or at a hall where Mm -hmm. we can accommodate more people. Mm -hmm. Um, So the groom would arrive at the venue with, there's no like direct correlation between like Anglo weddings with having a best man with Hindu weddings. Mm. But the closest thing is the best man being the bride's brother mm-hmm. or like a brother figure right? yeah so if, yeah didn't you do that once yeah so yeah. for one of my cousins who's not my cousin um <laughs> she doesn't have any brothers so i play that role right. in her wedding yeah um so the groom would walk in with the bride's yeah. brother or the brother don't figure. they come on a horse sometimes as well yes so with the north indian weddings yeah you tend to see that the groom would kind of arrive on like a horse. That's or, epic. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like a lot of music going yeah. and then like a congregation walking yeah. in with him. Whereas with South Indian weddings, yeah. I think it's a bit more subtle. Yeah. So um, the weddings that I've been to, it's usually like a auntie and uncle from the bride's side who would go to the groom's house and then kind of receive oh. him. 
and bring him to yeah, the venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess that's a good call out for some of the differences there. Um, so the groom would also bring gifts for the bride, yeah. which is a gold chain, which in Tamil we call a tali, mm-hmm. and in Hindi it's called a mangal sutra. Um, and a bridal sorry, mm. um, and just like going ahead throughout the explanation, I'm going to use just English mm-hmm. because to explain such a complicated ceremony, we're just going to try and keep it as simple <laughs> yeah. as possible. Um, and even with the sari, right? Um, one thing as well is I, I don't think that in more North Indian weddings, the groom gifts like an outfit to the bride. I could be wrong. Again, let us know if I'm wrong, but I feel like even from previous weddings that I've gone to, um, the bride wears a lehenga mm. and will wear that yeah. all through the wedding itself um, and doesn't actually change. So even from different parts of South Asia, the outfit that a bride wears will differ and yeah. even the, the groom's outfit will differ as well, right, between whatever part of South Asia you're from. Yeah. Come to think of it, I think I've only been to like South Indian Hindu weddings. Oh. Right. So, yeah, let us know if there are any differences that we've missed Mm. or like some of the similarities that you might find in other Mm. non-Hindu cultures as well, which we'll get to in future episodes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the groom will arrive with the best man and he's welcomed into the home by two ladies who perform. um, In Tamil, it's called an alati, which is basically like a flame held on a tray. which They kind of like rotate in circles to ward off evil omens. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then they make their way to the altar. A priest then offers a prayer and does some rituals. Mm -hmm. And this way you might notice they put on like a grass ring. Yeah. And like a thread around Mm -hmm. the wrist. Um, And then one of the groom's relatives will break open a coconut. Yeah. To signify the destruction of ego. Mm. That's something that I didn't know. Neither did I. Um, And then there's three or five married ladies from Mm. the groom's family who um, sow like grains in a pot to mm. ensure fertility. Mm. So there's something that I really love about Hindu weddings is how there's family members and other people involved who played significant roles in yeah. the bride's or the groom's family's lives. Yeah. Like for me, I can think of the five aunties who I would want to play that role yeah. in my wedding, right? Because I think it's just sweet that the people who have helped me get to where I am leading up to the wedding and yeah. who I would seek their advice yeah. and counsel and then this next chapter of my life yeah. are playing that role in kind of welcoming me or guiding me yeah, exactly. into this next chapter. Yeah. I think that's really sweet. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next the bride arrives and then she's led to the altar by like her maid of honour, which in this case is a groom's older sister mm-hmm. who's usually married. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like flower girls, bridesmaids, other female relative and the bride's parents yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and then she'll sit on the right side Specifically the right side mm-hmm. of the groom. Yeah. Because, yeah, she's not yet married and then they yeah. swap once yeah. she's married. Yeah. Um, and it's still like maid of honour and flower girl equivalents, right? So it's oh, not yeah, actually yeah. like... Again, just trying to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they do the same rituals that we spoke about with the coconut and the mm-hmm. sowing of the grains, but it's with mm-hmm. the bride's mm-hmm. side of the family and yep. significant people playing those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, now that I think of it, for the maid of honor role, which is meant to be the groom's sister, I don't mm. have any sisters. Mm. So I think you would probably be like third or fourth in line. Really? I think so. Because I'm going to assume that you're going to be married before me. You're not older than me, though. That's the issue. I'm not. Screw oh, the rules. Screw the rules. Oh, I'm so touched by that. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, the priest then lights a sacred fire, which symbolizes Agni, the god of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got kind of calling... Agni to kind of witness and bless the marriage. And mm-hmm. then again, 
some offerings are made. Um, and then now we kind of get into like the crux of the wedding. Mm. So the priest in the presence of the parents call upon the names of three generations of male ancestors of the bride and groom. Mm. And that's a way of inviting your ancestors to witness the wedding and yeah. like pass on their blessings as well. Yeah. Um, and then this is the part where there's like the, I want to quote here, like giving away of the bride. <laughs> the whole, I don't know, the whole giving away concept never really sat right with me. No, me either. Um, and I think that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in summary, the bride's parents kind of give the daughter's hand in marriage to the groom. Yeah. Who then um, kind of accepts her. Mm. Uh, again, that sounded weird to say. Um, and then <laughs> welcomes her with his parents mm-hmm. into that side of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, skipping a few details here mm. in sake of... Time. <laughs> the, the, the summary and explanation. Um, then the bridal chain, which I guess you could kind of equivalize to a wedding ring. Yeah, yeah. It's um, what symbolizes you being married. Yeah. yeah. And the bridal sari are passed around the congregation to be blessed by everyone attending. Um, And then the groom like officially gifts it to the bride Mm -hmm. who then departs to have this costume change to wear the new sari. But like you said, with North Indian weddings, that's not always a custom. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. 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 And like even with some South Indian weddings, I think some of these like customs people are kind of not tinkering with, but like kind of picking and choosing. What they'd like to do. What they'd like to do. Yeah. I mean, even traditionally, right, brides wear red. Mm. to Hindu weddings, which is something else, again, outfit related. But nowadays people are starting to wear colours they like yeah. because, you know, I guess you can pick and choose what, what you want to yeah. do. Yeah. It's like if I don't wear red to my wedding, is my wedding actually going to be cursed? Is yeah, my like marriage what actually is the gonna consequence cursed, of right? that? Yeah. 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 At the same time, I'm like, do I want to take it that be risk? Cursed? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the bride returns in her new sari. Um, and then this is like the... I guess the climax yeah. of the wedding. Yeah. It's when the groom ties the wedding chain around the bride's neck. Mm-hmm. Usually this is where like the music really like picks up and gets really banging as well. <laughs> um, and everyone in attendance blesses them by like throwing flowers yeah. as like a way of showering them with blessings. Yeah. Um, and then again, a coconut is cracked by a relative. The water of it signifies love. The mm. white part signifies purity and the broken shell represents a shedding of selfishness. Oh. So, yeah. So, I guess the different, Another different points. Another meaning for a coconut. coconut. Kind of signif- yeah. yeah. And then there's, like, different points throughout the wedding where there's, like, garlands exchanged yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but this is when the couple exchange garlands. Mm-hmm. And then the bride moves to sit on the left side of the groom to, yeah. like, signify that she's officially married. Yeah. Um, and then a more symbolic part of the wedding is when now the maid of honour, the best man, and the couple hold hands and walk together yeah. to take the first steps as a married couple. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure if all North Indian weddings have that maid of honor and best man role. Mm. So it might just be the couple who do this. Yeah. I've seen some weddings where it's just a couple who do it and they tie their clothing together. Oh, really? So the, the guy's kurta shawl, I think is tied to the girls like lehenga or like sari. Right. And they walk around like that. I've seen oh. that. Interesting as well. Hopefully I didn't just make that up. I'm pretty sure. They just accidentally looped it and you think it's a big significant thing. Um, Yeah. So it's interesting because they walk together around the fire Mm. that the priest had lit earlier that I mentioned, but each step and each lap has a different meaning. Yeah. And I think for more South Indian weddings, the, the seven steps, which signify different things. So the first step is for grain. The second is for cattle. The third is for prospering of wealth. The fourth is for comforts. Fifth is for progeny. 
The sixth is for seasons and the seventh is for togetherness to be devout all through life. So you do three laps of that. And there's mm. like, again, without getting into too much detail, the bride will put her foot on a granite stone. Yeah. And that signifies, you know, pressing of ego and things mm. like that. And then, yeah, there's a few other things happening here, which we'll park for now. Yeah. Given that I feel like I've just already given our listeners an information <laughs> overload. Um, and then, yeah, there's some like astrological things that the priest will talk about mm. as well. Um, and then for North Indian weddings, I think rather than counting seven steps, they do seven laps. Mm. And then the significance of that without going into too much detail is like a little bit different. Mm. There's like seven different vows. So the first is that the groom will be responsible for providing nourishment, welfare and happiness to the wife and children. Mm. The second one is that he'll remain loyal and faithful. Mm. Um, the third is that he'll work hard and putting in his best efforts to bring prosperity to the house. Mm. The fourth is like a thanks to the bride that to this you know sacred marriage that she's made his life beautiful and complete and vows to respect both families. Mm. The fifth is like a vow to share the happiness and sorrows with each other with this great understanding of care. Mm. Uh, the sixth is that the couple vows to show love and respect to each other and stand together in times of joy and grief as well. And then the seventh, the couple basically vow together that through the ritual of the seven vows, they have become husband and wife, mm. uniting their soul. Wow, I um, did not know. And there's actually a lot more depth in each of those yeah. seven vows, but in a very top-level nutshell, mm. that's what is going on. Gosh. Um, and then as like the final wrap up of the wedding, <laughs> the couple will make an offering to the sacred fire and the priest. And that's mm. like the first act as mm. a married couple. Mm -hmm. And then they'll get showered with rice by the priest to symbolize prosperity and happiness. Mm. And then the parents do the same showering of the rice. Yeah. I think with winning the I've been to, once you go through like the photo stages, yeah, there's yeah. like a person standing with uncle christ yeah that like the general guests could come and throw yeah to yeah to bless, bless them, them. In that way yeah as yeah well. yeah oh my gosh that was a very good summary um, good job i don't know if it was <laughs> i would have missed a bunch of things no but and it's impossible again to yeah cover maybe on a top level hopefully again it's not too much information overload if not let us know. Maybe <laughs> just rewind and listen to that again. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's so much depth to it. Yeah. That we could go into so much detail, but yeah. let's keep it simple for our first yeah. episode of Weddings and we can come back to it exactly. again in the future. I just realized though, we didn't talk about something very important, which South What's Asians that? are obsessed with, which is oh, food. Of course. <laughs> like, of I course. feel like that's such a big part of our weddings, right? Yeah. Like you have to feed everyone as much as you can. I mean, just in general with our culture, we love to feed people as we spoke about in our food episode. Um, but I feel like in particular with weddings, I feel yeah. like it's one of the most important things yeah. that the bride and groom's families will make sure yeah. is sufficient. When the food is on point, yeah. it just makes it it's a perfect so wedding. so bloody good. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is the invitations mm. for South Asian weddings and Hindu weddings. They're so beautiful. Mm. And like nowadays you see really creative ones that are coming up too yeah. and people still go and print them in like India and stuff and they just look so gorgeous. Yeah, I've seen some like really funky ones recently mm. as well. I think it's super dope. Mm. Um, I think the beautiful thing about 
Hindu weddings and South Asian weddings is like the social element of it. Yeah. There's so much gratitude that is passed on through a wedding mm. and acknowledging all the significant people who played a role in your life or the yeah. family's life. Um, on the flip side, also a great opportunity for aunties and uncles to gossip, uh, <laughs> to like try play matchmaker themselves. Yes, classic. I mean, look, even if I was at a wedding with you, said then. I would be like keeping an eye out for any single girls out there to set you up with. I, have I don't no know. Doubt am I just becoming an auntie? Hundred <laughs> um, percent. The other thing as well that I wanted to add is us living in Australia. I feel like there's a lot of fusions happening mm. now, right? Which is great because again, it's a way of like kind of merging the two cultures together. You see a lot of like weddings now that are Hindu weddings, but they happen outdoors, which is very different to what traditionally happens in South Asian countries. Um, even with the whole bridesmaids, maid of honor, groomsman, best man, although that's not a concept that's part of Hindu weddings to begin with, people are assigning those roles to mm. their friends now. And even if they don't partake in the ceremony itself, they're still helping. Behind the scenes, with, they with play this, that role. Yeah, they yeah. play that role. That emotional support exactly. as well as like yeah. getting stuff organised. Yeah, I think it is a it is a beautiful thing that we are kind of bringing a new flavour with yeah. our kind of hybrid identity. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I said, there are parts of our traditional weddings that I really appreciate, which I would yeah. want to carry on to my potential future wedding. Mm. What is your like ideal wedding look like? Oh, you beat me to it. I was about to ask I know, you. I could see you. I could <laughs> see your my mouth. mouth. <laughs> Um, my ideal wedding. So again, I'm not even going to pretend like I haven't already thought about this. Um, I would have like a really small Hindu ceremony at my parents' house mm -hmm. with just my family, my partner's family and both of our closest friends. I try to keep it like as small as possible. And I don't have a lot of extended family in Australia. Mm. So I think I could pull off like a very small, like 30 person thing at my house. Dude, um, that's a dream. We'll see what happens when it comes down to it. But this is my, you know, me just thinking. Uh, but then I would do like a proper civil ceremony, like yeah. outdoors somewhere on like a farm or something like that mm. type of vibe. And uh, that's where I'd have like a celebrant and like everyone who's invited to the wedding will come. And then the reception will be straight after that. One thing that I've always said that I'm going to do is I'm walking myself down the aisle mm. because to your point before about giving someone away, nobody's giving me to <laughs> anyone. I am entering into this willingly. So yeah, I'm going to just walk I myself down the aisle. I, I also could see you getting walked down the aisle by Oscar, your dog. <laughs> He's the only one that can give me away. Oscar's definitely going to be part of my wedding. Um, I don't know if you've seen videos online of like golden retrievers being part of weddings and they go up to people in the congregation and like <laughs> say hello. So he might be like my ring bearer. We'll see. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't take off with the rings yeah. and just like kind of runs down the aisle yeah. towards us. We'll I see. love that. And um, then the reception after... I was just going to say, yeah. It's going to be like the best party anyone has ever gone to in their life. It's just going to be lots of booze and lots of dancing. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of choreographed dancing, which is the part of your wedding festivities that I'm not looking forward to. But you to. definitely have to take part in. Let me DJ. Or like... Nah, nah, nah. You're not getting out of this, my friend. <laughs> what would your wedding look like? Uh, yeah. You know me. I'm not one for like glitz and glamour. Mm. In my ideal scenario, it'd be very... I think there are elements from our traditional weddings that I do really 
value. Yeah. Like I like how there's, like I mentioned before, there's family members who are involved in the ceremony itself mm. and kind of welcoming you or blessing you into this new chapter of your life. Mm. Um, I, there's a few people I have in mind who I would love for them to partake mm. in the ceremony like that. Mm. I would definitely want a traditional wedding. But I'd want it to be like very simple, mm. very stripped back and like no glitz and glamour, just a simple like temple thing. Mm. You're in and out in half an hour. Ideally have it like a really small and intimate mm. crowd. I think that's going to be difficult to do. Yeah, not But that's what dude. the ideal for me <laughs> would be. Mm. And then, you know, put that money that would have gone to like a really big wedding mm-hmm. into like donating it to charity yeah. or, you know, putting a little bit of that aside to go traveling mm. or something like that. Um, and then with the reception, I think that's where I think it'd be a bit bigger of a crowd. Mm. I think we'll do like things like... Like, I wouldn't want to have a first dance, but in an ideal world, my future wife would be a musician as well. Yeah. So we could do, like, a first song instead of a first oh. dance and then get all the couples who've played a big role in our lives to dance. That's to so good. I've never song. seen that before. I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I've, I've been to a few receptions recently where they have, like, cool, like, stations where you'd have, like, your traditional food, but you also have, like, a pasta station. Yeah. Or, like, an ice cream store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... Yeah, there's a few things like that. I think that could make it a little bit unique and a bit yeah, more fun than like a more formal. And bringing your own flavor to it as well, right? Does it have to be one way or one stock standard way that people have done traditionally? I feel like a lot of people are almost scared of breaking that curve and doing something different. Yeah. But I think it's important to do what you would enjoy and what you want others to enjoy at your own wedding or reception. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, I think I think this episode has helped me. Yes, for sure. As any other topical episode that we do when we put in <laughs> Pretty this much research. All does. this research. Um, but I really am interested in coming back to the different other religious and cultural types of weddings mm. within South Asia. Because I mm. think yeah, I, I like Muslim weddings, for example. I don't yeah. understand as much as I would like to. Like yeah. Sikh weddings. I know I've seen a lot of like the music and the festivities associated with that, but mm. it'd be so cool to understand the history and significance yeah, of definitely. it all. So all of the religions and cultures that we mentioned before, we're definitely going to come back to. And with all of the different angles when it comes to marriage yeah. as well. I think yeah, there's so much one. to unpack here. Yeah. So we'll definitely be back for more. Definitely. That being said, thank you for listening as always. Let us know on Instagram how many of these ceremonies you can relate to, what you guys do differently in your culture and your background. Um, We'll definitely put up a lot of stories about this. And we'd also love to hear actually any funny, ridiculous Mm. or horrible wedding stories that you have from your own wedding or a wedding that you've been to. I think it'd be really interesting to hear. It'll also help us with Stuck In Between Media's first reality TV show. Exactly. What are we calling it? Say yes to the... Sorry. Say yes. I feel, to the I feel like we can do something better there. We can. We'll get yeah, back to you. Yeah, we're thinking on the spot. <laughs> um, join us next time where we're joined by the founder of Dubba Drop, a UK-based food delivery service focused on sustainability. We'll see you then. Bye.